0: WPSL Port St. Lucie It's time now for We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Smith and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning and welcome to We Are Just Christians. Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. We really appreciate it. I'm so glad that you have tuned in to the, to our to the show and our uh Hopefully listening to us each week on WPSL at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings We appreciate that. This is a live call-in show I'm going to tell you the uh, ways to get a hold of us here in just a moment But first let me introduce uh, myself and Gary Jones, the co-host I'm Mike Schmidt. I'm the preacher and one of the elders here at the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard And, and uh, Gary Jones uh, is uh, one of the other elders. How are you doing, Gary?
1: I'm doing fine this morning, Mike. I was wanted to mention if our if our listeners are out there, uh, if you let somebody else know that their show is on, uh, send an email to your friends if they're if they're interested in uh, Bible study, and uh, we'd Only be happy. Old
0: people like us use email,
1: Gary. But uh, okay, all right.
0: You're right. Yeah, just
1: text idea. text message or yeah, whatever. You yeah. But uh, you can listen online at wpsl.com. You don't have to be in the local area.
0: That's true. And, and that, that's one thing. Sometimes we fail to mention that this show is available right now to even the local people on wpsl.com or any of your Amazon or Google devices. Just say WPSL 1590. It'll take you to that to the feed and you can listen to the show wherever you are. You can listen on your phone. On the listen now. Button I don't know, WPSL
1: but maybe even, even Alexa will take you there. <laughs> yeah,
0: it will. Alexa and Google and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, all those will take you there. If you just say, uh, Alexa, t- turn on WPSL 1590, it'll take you right here to this show if the show's on the air. And so people can listen to this show all over the, all over the world, really. And we have people listening in other states from what we can tell from uh, the, con- the communications we receive. For which we're very grateful, and we appreciate you doing that, you tuning into the show. And those same people can reach us, either by calling in the number that w- them are going to give you in just a moment, or by texting us. So we're going to give you both those numbers just a moment, so you don't have to live locally or, or whatever to, to get, get on the show or to communicate with us. If you'd like to call us today, which is the best way to communicate with us and live, and make it makes the show so much more interesting to, to everybody – you can reach us here, WPSL, 772-340-1590, 772-340-1590 is the number to reach us live, Ray there at the station will take your call and he'll uh, give me a notification, we'll put you, put you on the air, and <clears throat> the ground rules are very simple, this is not a show about just trying to say outrageous things so that we can get people to respond, we probably do say outrageous things to some people, Gary, wouldn't surprise me.
1: Or at least they but, think we well, do. Well, <laughs> to them it's
0: outrageous. But, and, but the point is, that's not what we're trying to do. We are trying to, to learn and study from the Word of God, or just talk about life as reasonable adults. And so we're not here as shock jocks, as they call them. But that doesn't mean we're not going to talk about controversial subjects, or, and it certainly doesn't mean that you're not free to disagree with us. You are free to, dis- to disagree with us. But we're not here just to get you upset. But if you'd like to disagree or call in about any subject that's on your mind, either what we're talking about or something we've said before or something that's been on your mind, something critical of the church or uh, some complaint you might have against God or whatever the case may be, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, And particularly I'd like to invite those who are not uh, believers in the Bible and or religion to call in. I'd like to hear from you. And like I say, we're not here just to uh, uh, obviously you know, argue with you. But we're going to give you a chance to talk. And when we all get done, we're going to give you the last word in the conversation before you go away, just so you, 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 you don't feel like we're just trying to use you for something. So that's the ground rules of the game.
1: And we, we're and, going to
0: hear from you, seven seven two three four zero fifteen ninety.
1: 1590 And we, we try to give you answers from Scripture. Our premise is, uh, basically, if you want to underline this passage in your Bible, John twelve I've quoted this a lot, and you're going to hear it some more. Uh, Jesus says, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. That's what we're all about.
0: Yes, uh, that's exactly right. And we're going to uh, always try to give you, if if it's at all possible, uh, an answer for... From the Bible and the Bible text to uh, to take a look at as our fundamental response. Now that's our presupposition that, right. the, that the Bible is the Word of God and ha- contains the answers for the same things that we need to know. Uh, and, and we will we can defend that proposition. We can t- talk about that with you, but but that's where we're coming from on this show. And so that's why the ba- that's why you're going to find the basis there. So we'd like you to get a piece of paper and pencil, write these scriptures down if we give them, and then look them up yourself. Uh, we're not making pronouncements from Mount Sinai here on this show. We're Bible students. And uh, even though
1: we're Even after elders, many years we're Bible students. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, I've been doing this since I was 18 years old, 19 years old, and I'm almost 70. So, uh, but that that certainly doesn't mean that I know all the answers to everything. We're going to try to give you some scriptures to look at, and then, then you can read them. And we, we talked about this last week. You know, the Bible's full of Jesus says, well, have you not read this or that? The Bible expects us to read it and, and be able to understand it, uh, what we're reading. That's how it's written. That's why it's written the way that it is. And so we're going to base, we're based on that premise. And so we're going to point you in that direction. Uh, as much as possible. Now sometimes people ask questions that are not from the Bible particularly. but we're going to uh we're gonna start there with those premises. Well Gary we have a phone call. So let's go right Sounds to the phones good. this morning. Let me let me let me do let me give the numbers one more time before we take the call. Seven seven two 340 1590. And if you'd like to reach us by text, you can reach us by text message. My text number, Mike's, is 772 260 6120. 772 260 6120. Gary's text number, 772 260, very similar, 772 260 6220. So you can reach us by text, live and by the phone live. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, Ken, you're on the phone, on the line. What's what's on your mind today?
2: Hi, Mike and uh, Gary. How you doing?
0: Doing good. How are you?
2: Yeah, I don't know. if I, I think I texted you something about DNA and, and God's name. I think you did,
0: Gary. Um,
2: uh, I think we Ken, talked- I
0: thought we might have, I think we talked about that once, or maybe we didn't talk about it. Let me. Um, all right. I think I have the text from this show here Well go ahead and tell us what you got on your mind And we'll go from there DNA okay. and God's name That's what you want to talk about today then, Right, Right. well
2: there's, there's something else I want to talk about besides that too Oh, okay Okay, uh, so This was discovered by A, a scientist in Israel And uh, In DNA You have two strands that are connected by bridges and the bridges are separated by amino acids. And there's 10 amino acids, then a bridge, then five amino acids, then a bridge, then six amino acids, then a bridge, and five amino acids. And it repeats that pattern all the way down the whole DNA strain, 10, Five six five. So if you don't know the significance of that, those are the numbers associated with the Hebrew letters Yahhe which is the
1: name of Jehovah. That's the Y H W H
2: well, I it's, a- it's, okay. yeah. I, it's, not, it's
1: not really a W, it's a, it's a V. Okay.
0: Yahweh. Yes, okay. Yeah, I think I remember you mentioning this uh, before. So, <clears throat> now, when you say, I thought about this the last time you brought this up, Ken, um, and it's it's very interesting, and I certainly can't dismiss it as something that God would never do or... Whatever, I don't, there's no, uh, there's no scriptural verification for that, for that, except, you know, the scriptures that might say that God's name is written on his people, you know, those kind of passages that I can think of. The, the, the connect, the. There's one,
2: there's one right after the bened-
0: Aaronic benediction. Yes, what, the, um not the Lord bless you and keep you, is that the one you're thinking of?
2: Yeah, yeah, he, he tells the priest to put his name on the people.
0: Yes, put Which his is. name on them. So now then, you would say one way that that is true or fulfilled is that every, every uh, particle of our, bo- our human bodies is engraved, as it were, with God's name in these protein bridges in our DNA. Amino acid protein. I think that's what the bridges are uh, made of. But now, the only problem that I have with this—I say the only—the main problem that I have with this, that I think is debatable, is the use of hmm, what I—what would you call it—numerology or gematria. Yes. Uh, it's saying this letter equals this number, and that somehow that—I—I I just don't. <clears throat> and maybe my ignorance can my lack of knowledge so i'm admitting that i'm not being hard and hard and rigid about this but i am saying that from my knowledge that i have presently i don't see the that the bible verifies the use of that intricate a numerological system as being a valid way of interpreting the bible you know this is the this was kind of the basis between that book that came out 12 years ago, the Bible code, where you count the letters in the various Old Testament texts in particular, and you come up when you count letters and you take certain combinations of the letters, you come up with a whole code of hidden revelations, hidden secrets in the Bible. Now, I hope I'm not, hope I'm not misrepresenting what the Bible code is about, but that's what I got out of it anyway when I read parts of it. So what do you think about that? What's your take on that fact that you got to go from the DNA, then you got to go to the the, numer, the numerals, and then you got to go to the Hebrew alphabet? What's your take on that sequence? Is that a you think that's a, bi, a, val, a Bible a biblically valid
2: process? Well, I think the the thing the thing that occurred to me is. Why do we put our name why do we put our name on things? Well now
0: that's a different issue than what I just asked you, but we put our name on things so we can find them later or, or identify them as being ours or distinguish them from other people that have the same types of things. Distinguish our stuff. Is that what you mean?
2: Yeah, we identify it as ours. Right. And that's what so, it's could-
0: Well, that's true. I'm just I'm just not sure that the DNA. I'm I'm only questioning. I'm not questioning that God does that with his people and he put his name on them and the people of God and especially in ancient world were the only ones that would use his name and be called by his name rather than called by Baal or Molech or Chemosh or somebody something else. And so they were called by the name of Yahweh, or in common usage, Jehovah. And we can debate the difference between Jehovah and Yahweh. But in any event, um, I'm not disputing the fact that that is what God intended to say, that if you're going to be my people, you're going to have to accept my name on you, and I'm going to uh, put on everything that you do. Now then, does that extend to the very... Molecules were made of, and I, like I say, I have no, I have no fundamental quarrel with that idea, per se, because, I, and I think that there's so much hidden in the natural world that we live in. I could use the word natural, and quote, in the world we live in, the creation of God, the whole universe speaks of God and His nature and His being, and and He's written, you know, He's written Himself. The heavens declare his handiwork, or or his handiwork, and the heavens declare him.
1: There's another aspect to this, Mike, that I think we might think about in that, uh, basically, is God placing his name on every individual, or is this just, uh, do you look at this, what does it mean when he says, "I I will put my name on these people? If it's part of the DNA, it's part of every person that's ever born or lived.
0: Not just not just no, not, just, not just
1: the followers of Jehovah.
0: Well, that would be okay. And from where I'm sitting, I think God did.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. It's a, all are his. It's a claim to be the creator rather than actual possession, like we might think one who has allegiance to God.
0: Okay, yes. Well, he even says the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. Yeah. So even the cattle have his or are his. Now, the other question, somebody just texted in. I think it was John just texted in, Ken. What do you think about this? Let's see. what. Uh, now, I can't. I'd have to do a little bit of research before I can uh, understand the question. I, I, gotta, I don't know the answer. I'm sure, he says, all primates have that code. Well, now, that might or might not be true. I mean, we share huge percentage, a huge percentage of our DNA with the great apes physically. Does, but i don't well, we don't share all of it with them. How deep this set of numbers goes into that which would distinguish a human from other animals i don't know I don't know the answer. Do you all have right. an answer for that Ken does the guy deal with this in the from what you've read?
2: You guess the answer from that from that uh, from that place you visited with the um ah. oh. Okay. The Native can tell you that for sure. there's no way humans came from apes.
0: Well, I I I don't I don't believe that either. I don't believe that I don't believe in the general theory of evolution. But I do believe that be- we do share a lot of physical characteristics, including a lot of DNA, with these other animals. It doesn't mean that we. Came from them evolutionary in an evolutionary way, but we're, but all, all different li, all different living things have similarities because the same God made them and they have to live in the same general environment as each other. So it makes perfect sense that they all would have as carbon based life forms certain characteristics that are similar and yet they vary in degree. I mean it's interesting to me that that we have this great affinity with dogs and yet we are not as closely linked genetically to dogs as we are, the apes, and we have almost, we have almost no, almost no affinity with apes whatsoever. And we have, and when they want to test stuff on human for, that's going to work on humans, they use pigs. Uh, even pig carcasses are used in forensics, criminal forensics, because the density, the mass, everything bone is very similar to human beings and other animals aren't it, but we have no connection with pigs per se, but it must mean on some level we share, a significant portion of the DNA code of these animals, but it doesn't mean that we came here in an evolutionary way through those animals in that way. I don't believe that. Yes, I did. I think I did mention that um, this past early in the summer we went up to Kentucky, a group of us here, and and went to the Ark Experience and to the Creation Museum. Very interesting. Worth worth a trip, in my opinion. You'd have to evaluate yourself what you think of all of it. But overall, I thought it was well done and had and presented some really challenging things for you there to look at in the exhibit. But that's another another subject. Well, uh, I, I just I'm, what do you think about the, the numerology, Ken? I mean, how, how do you can you is there something in the Bible that would say, yes, we should be looking at this at these numbers of numerology? Uh, well, first of all, thoughts on that. It doesn't predict the future. Let's the numbers, up. by the way, the producers asking asking me to ask you to speak up a little bit. But uh, oh, okay. You could, if you don't mind. I hope that'll help. Hope you can do that. But yes, I I agree that I don't think the numbers are there so we can predict
1: the future.
0: But what?
1: Well, well, know I'll, I'll wait till Ken finishes. Well,
0: what What do you think about the idea of gematria or numbers in the Bible in general?
1: Now, gematria
0: is different than looking at symbolic numbers in the Bible. I know that. Uh
2: huh. Well, I think I think some of it is interesting, and some of it is very interesting as far as uh, Jesus is concerned. Um. It depends
0: on the book you look at. Who wrote it? It depends on the book that you look at, as to whether you think it has validity or not, or is. Use- I think that's probably well. That's like a lot of things. Who's who's uh, who's fiddling with the numbers, the letters? That that's true about everything. Yes. Well, that was. Probably- I, know, I certainly don't recommend every book just because it's about the Bible or spiritual things. Not not even close. Uh, hang on just one second, Gary. I know you want to say something. Gematria, by the way, for those who are listening, is a Jewish form. of. I'm going to read now from a uh, Yale you know, Yale University site. So this has got to be absolutely true. Plus,
1: I hope you're being internet. sarcastic. <laughs> Plus,
0: it's on the Internet, so you know they can't lie on the Internet. But anyway, uh, Gematria. Gary wants you to make sure you do not know being sarcastic it, it probably is not as clear on the radio But anyway, Chimatri is a Jewish form of numerology In which the letters of the Hebrew alphabet are substituted with corresponding numbers The first ten letters are given number of values that increase consecutively from one to ten The next eight letters are given num- numbers that increase in, by a factor of ten from twenty to ninety And the final four letters are given number values that increase by a factor of one hundred from one hundred to four hundred and so in Hebrew, gematria is often used as an alternative to Arabic numerals when recording numbers. And so, so Hebrew dates are generally given with gematria. So it, can, it, it's a, it says it's a, used at, with, as a number system by some uh, in order to obtain a more spiritual understanding of biblical texts. While many scoff at using this cute wordplay quotes as a means of explaining the Bible, the Kabbalists, Jewish mystics, they find great power in the spirituality of words. They see it as a valid form of biblical interpretation. An example of biblical exegesis using gematria can be found in the 5th of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 12, where the children of Israel are instructed to honor thy father and thy mother. How does one honor his parents, they ask? By examining the gematria of the Hebrew word for honor, kaved, We find that it has the value of 26, 20 plus 2 plus 4, and it gives the Hebrew letters here, which I can't pronounce because I don't read the letters plainly, easily. But the gematria of the thematically similar word for love, ahava, is 13, and then the gematria of kava is double that of ava. It was concluded that one honors his parents by showing them a double portion of love. So that God intended, when he said, honor your father and mother, to say that you show them a double portion of love, I guess, than you do others. Because the number of the the letters of honor is twice as much as that for the word for love. I think, more simply, using Occam's razor, which is to cut things to the simplest thing, Jesus says that honor is to take care
1: of your parents. Yes.
0: So, I'm going to go with Jesus, definitely. but, But that's an example... Of gematria. That but is an but
1: interesting then one. you can go in circles with that, Mike, because taking care of is also a form of love. And basically, it's is, also a form that is, that is, that is of mercy, done. which is also a form yeah, and of I love.
0: Don't know, so, 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 in other words, um, that's the question of, of gematria. So, um, well, do I, do, do I think? Oh, go ahead. Gary. Yeah, I was going to. The, the reason
1: up. I the reason I say this, Mike, is I think I share your skepticism about this use of numbers because and
0: skepticism because, might be too strong, but it, sometimes it is skepticism. Yeah. yeah. So go ahead.
1: Basically. What I've found having to deal with mathematics is is I can turn almost any mathematical expression into almost any other mathematical expression with just a series of appropriate assumptions and operations that are consistent with the system.
0: Why mathematics is not reliable?
1: Well, it's why – well, statistics is – I'm
0: teasing it, yes.
1: Yes, talk about statistics in that way. You know, (laughs) it's – statistics (laughs) can tell you anything you want, but – but real statistics have to have what we talked about, I think, coming to, coming to, the, to the show today is take some critical thinking and analysis that people often don't do. When I was a, when I was a
0: collegiate competitive debater preparing to be a lawyer and attorney, I would use the same statistics one hour to prove a proposition. I would use the same statistics, literally the same numbers the next hour to disprove the proposition. So it's who's using the statistics. It's it's not a question of whether you have a statistic about COVID. It's what does it mean and how and what context are you using it?
1: Well, and, and it's, how it's, you it's, analyze it's, it. Same it's it's worse it's worse than that, Mike. It basically how those statistics were arrived at and what the data group was that well, was used true. and what variables are involved in basically the phenomena you're trying to study. It's, it's a lot more complex. Uh, no, I won't, I won't Yeah. There's, there's a kind of a crude way to look at statistics, but I'm not going to say that over the radio. <laughs>
0: well, uh, that, that, and the, I think that's hitting at part of what John just texted in. He says, until the printing press, there were no two texts exactly alike. And I would say, even after the printing press, that is still obviously possible. So the number code thing depends on the text being used. And that's true. It depends on which Hebrew text is being used in some cases because most verses, there's not much dispute about what's there from any particular version or manuscript. Others, there might be a slight difference in the two. And I just let me think for a moment, Gary, about a couple of cases where we have this problem in Hebrew. But I will say this that. Uh, uh, I know the masoretes who did most of the copying of Old Testament texts the Masoretic scribes that we have that our Old Testament texts are based on their work they would do a scroll of a book and then they would count the not just the letters but all the accent marks in that either the scroll or a codex or page if they were doing it that way and if the number of marks on the page didn't match what they were copying from, they wouldn't even look for the error from what I've read about. They would simply destroy that copy and start over again. They had nothing if it was not time. And they would destroy it and start, so that they were trying to produce an exact copy. And, and Now, to be fair to what Ken is saying here, Part of the reason was that some of those very people believed in what we're talking about here, that all these letters, every, even Jesus, Gary, says that not one jot or tittle will pass away from the law until all is fulfilled. He was really stating, I think, a belief of the Masoretic scribes about the text. And so they were very careful. Does that mean that no errors were ever ever introduced? No, it doesn't mean that at all, but they weren't just casually copying things like a bunch of fourth graders told to copy a
1: book or copy what's on the blackboard or, copy, or copy.
0: yeah they were way more elaborate and more exact with the intention of producing an exact copy of it and so but now that still begs the question you have certain words and i've seen a various oh what was it just the other day see the hebrew letter alphabet that we have in in the manuscripts of the old testament and this is another partial difficulty with what, well, with Gematria, is that only, it only has consonants, not vowels, in it. All, all the Hebrew was a consonant was a, a written, meant to be spoken, not necessarily written, apparently, I don't know, but, but it, it only has consonants. And so, most of the time, this presents no problem whatsoever, but there are words that have the same consonants, and have different vowels.
1: So the context the context vowels. of what you see then becomes extremely the critical. The
0: context becomes how you translate the word, put yeah. it back into another language. And and you, and then there are even and that, that limits the number of possible problems to a very, very small number. But it doesn't mean that there is no problem. if, if I can just get my brain to function quickly here. Uh, just read an example of this last week or week before in something I was reading of this very problem of it being this way or that way of the two words. And what was it? It was something obvious. I'll think of it in a second. Oh, I, I kind of remember, almost remember what it is. And Ken, I think you've called about this before. So maybe we'll maybe and maybe you uh, know what I'm talking about is the Jesus said. And the same thing is kind of true in Greek uh, That It's easier for a camel To pass through the eye of a needle Than it is for a rich man To enter the kingdom of heaven Now if you take that in the Aramaic
2: Have you seen the needle gate?
0: I saw that what they call The needle gate, yes And people have tried to explain this statement of Jesus And what it was was Kind of a man door Next to a big door And sometimes they'd have that big door shut there in the gate, the one we saw, and like with the one I went to in Jerusalem. And so they would try, they would have to kneel down to get into the smaller hole next to it, the smaller gate. It was kind of a defensive.
2: Mike, you've seen it. So let me ask you a question about it. Because I heard somebody say, give this analogy, and I don't know if it's true or not they said they could get a camel through the needle gate if they unloaded the camel, they would get it on its knees, and dragged it through. Well, and that's,
0: I think, what I've read before, and and it possibly, I think you might have called about that once I mentioned that, uh, what that means. Um, Yes, that's, that's what I've read, too. And I, I, but I think, but this, this interpretation, why can't I, I – I'm sure I saved this. Maybe I don't know – you know, when you save stuff on a computer, it's easy to find it. If you can remember the keywords words <laughs> the, in key the words. Article, and I can't find anything that has the word needle in it that I've saved on my, in my files about this. But it was the difference between the consonants and vowels in the word needle as opposed to something else. And I, I, my wife is probably driving in the car. She could probably text me, and she, I, I think I pointed it out to her when I read it as this being a very interesting interpretation of this um, of this verse. But it was a whole other word altogether in Aramaic for this word that we put needle in, and, it mean, and and it makes it just a whole different analogy. We don't have to go through the problem because – The truth is, we don't know that that's really what that gate was for. Uh, There's been so many different explanations of the eye of a needle. Ken, as likely as not, in my own opinion about it, this is my opinion, Jesus was talking about something that was completely ludicrous. He wasn't talking about some actual place or event. He was talking about something that was ludicrous. They would have laughed. And And then he says... But with God, all things are possible.
2: So you yeah, didn't ask uh, a question. You've seen like, the Is it big enough for a camel to get through if you put it on its knees and drag it through?
0: Yeah, po- possible. Po- possibly, uh, it it is. I, I wasn't thinking of it in that term. At while I, I have a picture. I can look up the picture. I think on my phone here. If I look it up, I, I'd have to say you know, if, Compared to the big gate next to it, yes, it probably is. By the way, my wife just texted me. She said the word rope, and I'd have to look, double, double check this, but I, the the point of the article I read was, is that the word rope and the word camel in Aramaic are very, very similar. And it's possible that Jesus said it's easier to get a rope through the eye of a needle than a camel, uh, than a rich man to go to heaven.
1: Well, basically. Well,
0: that uh, makes that makes more sense because a rope and and a thread are you know in the same category. That makes more sense to me. A rope through the eye of a needle.
1: Yeah, well even it, it, it gets. It's easily, not possible. Well, it gets a little worse even <laughs> when you go to the Greek. If you go to the interlinear and look up this of a needle is translated one word. Strong's defined it defines it as to sew. It's not even. Literally a needle. Per se, per se, it's sewing. It's it's,
0: that's the verb form of it. Yeah, that's right. But that that makes uh, that makes more sense to me, storytelling wise, to get a rope the eye of a needle. But um, I've just never, even though I went over there and they showed us this gate, um, my understanding, Ken, is that there there's always there's been more than one of those in history and i just i just don't know i wasn't convinced when i saw it that that was the intention that jesus well, had it, when he said that even okay. if that's what they use this gate for
1: <coughs> well when you look at the definition of the greek word <coughs> and the use of and like judy sent you the use of rope then the whole idea changes it's like putting a thread through the eye of a needle not like something going something or I mean, gate, but yeah, it, 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 the it, analogy is it, better yeah. a rope.
0: but on the other side of the coin ken's point i think and i think if i remember what you said that the i think the reason that that translation idea appeals that gate appeals to you is because the camel has to be unloaded unburdened to yes, go through. Right. and so a rich man carrying right. all of his possessions and trying to get into kingdom of heaven and hold on to all of his possessions and desires and lusts isn't going like, to make it through. Is man. that your
2: point? Yeah, like Jesus said to the rich man.
0: Yes. So and I not- think that does fit. That's a good analogy. That's right. So that's, that's very appealing, I have to say. That's an appealing interpretation of that passage that you have to unburden the camel and then it can barely squeeze through. <laughs> of course, <laughs> In another way, that outside the context of possessions and lusts and desires, all of us have to decide we're going to be unburdened and lay aside the weight that even as Christians that does so easily beset us, as uh, the writer of Hebrews says. So in any event, that is an interesting... Int- but it goes back to these, the closeness of some words in the text... And that is um, somewhat of a, at least it's a challenge for Gematria to figure that out. I don't, and I agree with you, Ken, I don't think, for example, the numbers in the book of Revelation are there so we can predict the date of the end of the world. The number 1,007 and all those other nine hundred and 12, all the numbers there are, are symbolic numbers. So I don't dispute the idea. That the Bible has many symbolic numbers that it doesn't even explain itself, like the number seven being a number for completeness and then fuller to be God's number, as well, as well as number twelve. There's a reason why there were twelve tribes of Israel, you see, and ten commandments and that kind of thing. Uh, you have this, and Jesus had twelve apostles. In fact, he even replaced. The one that died so they still had 12 then he makes Paul one untimely born later
1: So we end up with 13 End
0: up with 13. Well, some would say then Jesus says he's an Apostle and uh, He had you had uh, Judas as an Apostle and you replace him with Matthias. So, you know uh, but Jesus, We'll see that's, he had 12 that's, active Apostles at least early on
1: but that's one of the things that that kind of that really bothers me about this numerology thing not only that by assumption, you can make things change or equate things to, if you make the right assumptions, you can get almost anything you want out of it. Uh, The other thing is the more steps you go through, the further you get from any reasonable path that might take you through something. Each time you have to make a change from one base to another to get to that final number, yeah. it n- gets even further from probability.
0: Letters, to numbers, back or to the numbers, letters, and then, and then art lang- Then you change languages. Yeah. So now you're, and I guess, uh, although this this understanding that Ken is trying to get at here that God has written Himself, as it were, on every human cell, is a very intriguing. And I, of course, I, I believe in the truth of I believe the truth of that. I, I believe that's true, even if I didn't understand anything about DNA or genetics, that God intended to put his mark on all living things, and in particular human beings. But your, quote-unquote, objection, Gary, that this seems to be too general to mean God's people as such, because every human shares
1: this. Right.
0: I think that's a very good objection to this idea per se. Now... um,
1: I think it would be more a form of his... His creation, his role in creation, than it is in basically salvation. a possession of a piece of, yeah. a, of a salvation of a, or possession of a people.
0: I guess, unless you would say, well, that God did write his name on all people, they just reject him. I, I, and I agree with that. So it is an intriguing idea, uh, but you have, you have to consider. And I think that the point you just made a moment ago, Gary, I imagine Ken would agree with this, or who, and many of our listeners. The problem with some things in Bible understanding is not that you can't get there to that. It's we always have to remember the steps that took us to get there. Yes. And if we forget the steps, and some, some of those steps, I have certain beliefs that I think, yeah, I think this is exactly right. Is borne out by several factors. But I have to admit that my... My scriptural basis for that Belief is shaky in a few places I have Beliefs for example we've talked about them on the show Some people object to them about You know the nature of my resurrected Body in heaven and those Kind of things and I tried to Convey clearly and maybe I didn't do a very Good job because I don't well part of that now I'll just be blunt people don't Listen okay to what you're Saying you can say all, and that's the problem being a Preacher I can say all I want to <laughs> This is a Tentative conclusion, accepted at your own peril. But people just take it as well. Mike says, blah blah blah. You know, so you, you know and that's a peril of being uh, a, a preacher. But I have to look at my conclusions and say, well, I got there, but this part of that is pretty iffy. You know, and if that part's not true, if my if I've missed it there, then I probably missed the whole thing. And sometimes you, you just have to say, I don't have a lot of biblical proof for certain things. So I, you, you're careful about how you teach it. And you certainly need to be careful about what other doctrines you pile on top of it. That's one of my big oh, problems. Yeah. To say that Mary is not a woman that was exalted above other women, as it were. And this text said, exalted are you above, uh, above other women. But then to make her the mother of God and worthy of worship and people praying to her... That's a big leap oh, made yeah. from that scripture. Huge, unreachable leap in my po- question point. Because it, but, that's, but it's ignored. That that problem is ignored.
1: Because it goes back to how does the Bible define exalted in that particular place, and you don't have a good you don't have a good definition and we of it.
0: So many other passages, <laughs> not to worship any yeah. human being.
1: Yeah. Any, not even
0: angels. I'm not even allowed to worship angels. Okay. So, in any event, that's part of the problem of a lot of things in Bible interpretation, is making sure that you, what you're making of a passage at least is reasonable, considering what you're doing with it, Where, what the, uh, what you're trying to make of it. You know, people go in there and they find some passage about. Um, uh, I can't even right now uh, of some uh, number this or that and so now uh, everything if if the vaccine was test number 666 it's the mark of the beast and it's Satan doing this and on and on it goes or I've seen the number that you mentioned <clears throat> different calculations Gary I've seen a calc- a way to take this numerology. Maybe this is one reason I object to it kind of instinctively, partly. They've taken the name Caesar and Nero and Constantine and um, Hitler, Hitler, and you go back, Bismarck and Reagan, and, and, they take the, and they make the numbers. They can prove that all of those are the Antichrist, using the same type of reasoning, using numbers,
1: Without, not letters. With, Without ever looking at how the Bible itself defines the Antichrist.
0: Yeah, that's my point. They stop looking at the words and start looking at the numbers, and then they overstate the case over and over again, overstate the case. So now I've lived my life in a lot of ways on things I can't 100% prove from the Bible in a lot of ways because I believe that that is I'm using some discernment there to look and say, well, what is the most likely or reasonable course of action that flows from this idea to this one? And I'm going to live that way okay, for different reasons, and I think I'm justified in doing so. I'm unjustified in telling other people that if they don't do that, they're lost or whatever the case may be. But I do challenge them not just to disagree with me, but come up with their own system of justification
1: well it keeps it keeps going back to Mike uh, who, whoever teaches is not going to stand in the place of judgment for the student. The student is going to stand in the place of judgment for himself. Now the teacher stands in the judgment for both the, the, yes but basically the but basically what it's going to happen is you're going to have to stand in judgment for the things that you have done and the decisions that you have made. Now, you if you hand that decision off to someone else, uh, you know what are you giving up? You know what's what's the consequences that you need to account for things that you do and understand yourself, and that's that's what I keep coming back to. I I go back to the classes and I tell I tell my classes don't take my word for it when it comes to the Bible. Go look go at, look it, at yourself.
0: it yourself. Right. Now, Ken, um, where would I go to to read about this? Business with the DNA. Do you know the source?
1: Is Ken still with us? Are, are you
0: still well, there? Sources. I'm I know. sorry, speak up a little bit. Mm-hmm.
2: Let me, I don't know, I don't know how much time I've got left, so. About 15
0: minutes. Uh, yeah, 15 okay. minutes.
2: Let me ask you, let me talk about what I, the other thing I was going to talk about. Okay, we'll just move on. That sounds good. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so let me ask Gary a question first. Okay. And, uh, you'll probably agree with this. Okay, so 100 degrees centigrade corresponds with
1: 212
2: degrees
1: Fahrenheit, correct? Uh, I'm, I'm having trouble hearing it. you. Just speak a little is equal, louder. Is equal to
0: how much?
2: 100 degrees centigrade is the boiling point of water. Right. 212 degrees is the boiling point in Fahrenheit of water. That's
1: standard conditions.
2: At one
0: atmosphere.
1: Yeah. Well, and there's a temperature associated with that, too. It's close. Yeah. yeah. Anyway,
2: There's a linear relationship between the, uh, the two scales, the centigrade scale and the Fahrenheit scale.
1: Yes, there is yep. a, a linear formula.
2: Okay. So what I was going to bring up is uh, a study by Dr. Heim Schor. It's H-A-I-M. Shoie. he's a professor of engineering and statistics at Ben-Gurion University. Jesus. So, let me tell you what he found out. He took the word eretz, which is the Hebrew word for earth And he took the number, the Hebrew letters uh, from that word, and took that number. And he compared it to the diameter, massive number for the diameter of the Earth, in in the natural log form. Are you with me?
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. He found a linear correlation between the diameter of the Earth, and Nash's number, and the Hebrew number for the word Earth. He also found the same thing for the volume of the Earth and the the, uh, surface area of the Earth.
1: What units did he use? The same line. No, what units did he use to define the diameter, uh, the volume, and the surface area?
2: Uh, I think it was um, metric, Well, it was whatever mass it was using. Okay. It units.
1: All right.
0: So it corresponds to
1: metric. So what what if he'd used the English units? Huh? What if he'd used English units?
2: What what if he did? You say, what if he did?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, like the diameter of the Earth, the circumference of the Earth, in miles yeah. is 24,000 something.
1: Yeah, I don't know what they're, it
0: they're, is in meters.
1: Well, they all have a certain constant wow. relationship, but does the relationship to that word hold? Because all those mathematical relationships are constant.
2: Their they, formulas they are the same. Yeah, they too, are.
1: Too. Yeah, and they all involve a transcendental number called pi, okay, which we really don't know out to 45 million there's places.
0: There's a whole Hebrew thing on the number pi.
1: Right. So here, here again is my point. In. The more steps you have to go through, the further this gets from something that points, what I would say, conclusively to some conclusion. And does it hold true across all of these different approaches?
2: Well, tell you what, if you want if you if you're interested, you want to look it up. You can go uh, Google his name on the website. And you you can okay. get a whole copy of his book online for free. You okay. Pages.
0: Hi, H A I M Shore. Well, that's the that's
2: S uh, H O R E.
0: Yeah, S H O R E. All right, I'm gonna no, try to do that. With,
2: with the word ice, water, and steam, and found what NASA's heat content is for each. Well, the water you did at 50 degrees centigrade. And it matched, and there was there was a linear relationship between those Hebrew words and the heat content of the ice and the water and the steam, and the, the correlation coefficients were like 0.998 or 997. You know, there there is a a um,
0: there, in, in modern apologetics. There's this whole new study, and, and even in in the science itself, there's this study of the of the fact that the conditions for life on Earth and for the Earth to be as it is are so precise, and for at the moment that exact word that's used is escaping me. I'll think of it in just a second, but. That it's uh, it, there's just no margin for error in almost any of the things that we take for granted, like the mass of the sun, its temperature, the mass of the earth, its its temperature, its distance from the sun, its rotational speed, its mass. The all of these all these things are extremely precise, and if you alter them at all, almost, and they give this. I've read books on this. Or, up on the statistical differences if you alter them much at all there's no possibility of life existing on earth in any way in any kind of recognizable form that we would have and so this question is discussed in debates on apologetics or the existence of God because how did this just happen and, and what are the statistical odds of all of these things being true at the same time now, one answer that's given is that the, is that, given the physical nature of the su- of the stars, then certain things have to be true. But I don't buy that altogether. What your the other a- explanation is, is that a single mind of an engineer, as it were, a divine engineer, designed this system with certain constants and variables that all have to work together. For it all to function. And you start pulling pieces out or altering some of these numbers, the system does not work because it's all been very precisely designed. And I just can't think of a number, the number, the word that they're using here. It fits into the into the thesis or thinking of intelligent design as a proposition right. for how the universe, why the universe is like it is, why life is like it is. And that makes what this man is saying. I don't. He's getting there from. I'm not sure you'd call it numerology. He's pulling the word earth out. I don't know. What do you do with the word heavens? You know, heaven. God created the heavens and the earth. Um, So, it's uh, he's he's getting there mathematically from a different angle. But even people who are not believers are seeing these things. They just don't ever ascribe them to a divine intelligence or will. Uh, John texted in and said they say they say it's just chance. The moon just happens to be the same size as it needs to be to create an eclipse on the earth
1: or to create
0: size and difference to create. To, to fit the disc of the sun,
1: or it just know. happens to be in the right orbit and the same size to keep the Earth's axis from wobbling out of control right. too. The, all you know, right all, places, all of these things, the right you know, and can be mathematically related. So, if you, you know, could I pick other words that do the same thing? And the well, question I would, is,
0: I would think you probably can. I think that. Yeah.
1: If question. I if I if I just if I that's what I was getting back to earlier. If if I pick the right base or I pick the right manipulation and apply it. I can apply it to other things. Uh, The thing would come down to, well, okay, it it works for that. Uh, Are there other things it works for? And then it becomes just one of several other coincidences. But I would have to really for me to really give it serious consideration as far as an interpretive means, I'd have to have a lot more data on that. I would have to look at exactly and precisely how he did it uh, and does it apply to other things? Do, do it, does it apply to other words? You talk about heaven, you talk about you know the other yeah. aspects or descriptions of of what we live in, and, and this is the problem that I have with it that makes me I'm going I'm going to say skeptical, Mike, of using it as an interpretive basis.
0: Well, I think does that, think does that that's
1: make true. sense to you? I mean, yeah,
0: yeah, I think it does, but. I do think, though, it certainly is not unreasonable to understand that there are constants and all of these things. The word that's used in apologetic study kind of came to is fine-tuning. And one of the, the explanations for fine-tuning given by the atheists is that we live in a multiverse, we're not in one universe, We're in a multiverse. And you can read a little bit about that. but fine-tuning, here, here's an article. I, once I realized I looked it up refers to the surprising precision of nature's physical constraints to explain how a habitable planet like Earth could even exist these fundamental constants have to be set to just the right values like running a dial to find just the right radio station you got to run the universe to just the right mathematical constants to produce physical results to make it work for life otherwise it can't support life, and if the universe were not expanding in exactly the rate that it is, uh, this none of this would happen the way it's happening. It, it doesn't. It goes all the way down from the DNA and the molecules all the way out to the expansion of the universe. The same fine tuning exists, whatever field of study that you're involved in, and so if it do, if the universe expands too quickly. You never, even get to compl- you never even get to carbon atoms, Gary. Oh, yeah. So you don't get life based on carbon. You know. So this is not just something you can just plug and play. It's all done and, I think, designed by God. That's the idea that I would get. And here's the thing. As little as I know about mathematics, I do. That everything can be put back into a number in the physical universe. And, and explain or explained and understood. Now, spiritual things can't be explained by numbers, per se. Particularly, we don't get to the goodness of God because we can put an equation in a, there and work out an equation. But physical things, yes, can be
1: explained. Well, Newtonian physics and mathematics work pretty well, but they have their limits. And if that's what you're using, what what he's using here is 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 basically a newtonian system
0: well every time they think they got it
1: somewhere else so it goes somewhere else so
0: way more complex
1: it it boils
0: more complex than they think it is it
1: it boils down to me is is it reasonable to assume that you can have a tornado pass through an automobile wrecking yard and leave a fully functional complete boeing 747 in, in its place and and that just doesn't happen that's that's the kind of thing that all of this points to me as being made by chance.
0: Well, Ken, we got about a minute left to talk, so wrap up what you want to say here, and uh, we appreciate
2: it. Okay, there's two kinds of science. There's a creative science, that Jesus created the world, and then there's human science. And uh, I think you're better off following the creative science and what he says, which is in the Bible.
0: Well, and I agree with that, and I would say this though: I, I think that true human science doesn't contradict the creative science that we see from God's hand.
1: When we it's, get to it's, the it's, when we get to the real it's basic man human
0: trying science. to be God that thinks his science is the only science there is, and doesn't recognize its limited nature. Well, we got about a minute left. We're gonna. I'm sorry, Ken. We're gonna have to run here. I need to. Wrap up the show. I really appreciate you calling in and those who texted into the show today. I hope the discussion has been interesting. We want, we do want to invite you to take a look at our website, which is wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com, and uh, you'll find recordings of these shows, the lessons from the church, a lot of information about the church. We'd like to invite you to our assembly, 10 o'clock for a Bible study this morning. 11 o'clock for worship at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard. So may God bless you until next week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll we'll see you next Sunday. You've been listening to
2: We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church on WPSL Port St. Lucie.